If you don't know why you're here, you're not going to do much while you're here. Welcome to Matt Is This, the podcast by project managers for project managers. It's our chance to meet with you and discuss what really matters in the world of project management. Whether you're new to the field or have been doing it for decades, we want to encourage you and challenge you to cheer you on and help you avoid some of the pitfalls that can come along the way. We talk to the experts, people who have gone before us, so we can benefit from their experiences and their successes. I'm your host, Nick Walker, and with me are the guys who make it all happen here, Andy Crow and Bill Yates. Nick, it's great to be here today, and I'm really excited about this cast. Okay, spoiler alert, it's very possible that we're going to laugh some today. Our guest is Sean Glaze, an author, speaker, and team-building facilitator who is all about inspiring groups to have fun laughing together so they can have more success working together. He's the author of three books, The Unexpected Leader, Rapid Teamwork, and The Ten Commandments of Winning Teammates. Sean has been a successful basketball coach and educator for more than 20 years, and in that time has gained some valuable insights into how to develop winning teams. He's the founder of Great Results Team Building, which he uses to share those lessons all over the country through entertaining speaking engagements and team building events. Sean, thanks for joining us here on Matt Is This. Appreciate it, Nick. Looking forward to being here and sharing some great information with your audience. Sean, I'm always fascinated how skills developed in one area can transfer over into others. For example, when did you realize that the lessons you've learned from years of coaching basketball could translate well to business leaders? That is a tremendous question. Uh, and honestly, it was probably about eight years into my coaching career when I realized I wasn't as good a coach as I thought. <laughs> I, uh, I had spent most of that first decade as a coach, like many project leaders, like many team leaders, regardless of industry, focused on strategy. And for basketball, that's X's and O's and that skill development and strategy. And you realize after you go through a couple of seasons where you know you've not gotten as much out of your talent as you should have, that there's something missing. And what I had neglected for nearly a decade was culture. Uh, mm. And everybody has probably heard culture eats strategy for breakfast for as a young coach. <laughs> I'd never heard that, mm. but I certainly lived it. And so the eye-opening mirror moment for me was recognizing at the end of a really tough losing season, you know, I'm going to have to change if I want my team to change. And leading teams as a project manager, as a coach, you realize that strategy is what you want to do. Culture determines how well your people are going to do it. And so the relationships and connections that I then began to focus on made us far more successful in the future. And I realized that what I had done with my team could hopefully help other leaders with their teams, regardless of athletics or business or others. You know, as I listen to this, Sean, I'm thinking strategy you could change over a long weekend. But culture is a slow turning ship a lot of times to turn that around. And especially if you've got a toxic culture or a mm. problematic culture, to reframe that in a positive way takes a lot of time and tremendous energy. Absolutely. And, and, and that's something I think first as a leader, you need to know what it is you want. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't have clarity about what I want my culture to be and what actually constitutes culture, I can't deliver that or influence that on my team. So a lot of my growth as a leader 
was me educating myself. And hopefully those are some things that I'll be able to share today so that your audience can move forward after the podcast to actually do a few things differently mm. so they do impact that culture. Sean, when we were talking before, you said there were five dangerous words. <laughs> well, that relates to this area. What were those words? I, I think the five most dangerous words that any leader or any teammate could utter are, that's just how I am. <laughs> because that becomes an excuse for poor behavior. That becomes an excuse for poor culture. That becomes an excuse for poor performance versus me taking ownership of my opportunity to grow. And that may not be comfortable, but I got to be willing to be bad long enough to get better in that role. Fortunately, I've modified that to say that's just how I'm wired. So that makes it all okay, right? That's different. <laughs> we just totally transformed that. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Maybe that's not so good. Sean, one of the things that I, I was looking forward to asking you, uh, who had the greatest impact on you? Maybe it was a coach or a mentor. Who influenced you as a leader? You know, that's something that I've been asked before, Bill, and I don't know that there's been one mm-hmm. specific coach that was that guy for me mm-hmm. or that was that female coach that, that kind of was the example I wanted to emulate. I think right. what a lot of leaders do, if they're lucky, is they do have somebody that pours into them, becomes somebody that is an active mentor. I would guess that from my conversations with others, that most people like me are really a combination of what they've taken in terms of a buffet, right? right? And I like what this person does, and I like what that person does in different areas. Hmm. So there have been a number of really high-quality mentors where I've taken not just X's and O stuff, which is important, but a lot of the culture stuff and how do they build relationships and what are they focusing on that's not going to just be important on the court but off the court. And that's the Hmm. same thing with leaders in whatever industry is – my interactions with my people are going to be far more important than just on this project. I want to make sure I'm building relationships. And those are some of the the mentoring, I guess, influences that have really impacted me mm-hmm. and hopefully made my teams that much more successful. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, You know, you talked about chemistry and culture. And uh, one of the things when you and I were talking before, one of the things that you said that I thought was very quotable and right on point was, and I'm quoting you, Sean, People are hired for their technical skill and fired for their attitudes and behaviors. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how can we, I agree with that. I think you have, mm-hmm. you know, there is complete agreement in the room. How can we as leaders influence that? Well, as leaders, you became a leader because of your technical skill, because you actually had mastered one role and were elevated to a new role. Right. Uh, and so as leaders, part of your job is to learn a whole new set of skills as a leader. So how do I lead people instead of just leading myself? Well, and you know, the the Peter Principle is famous for that. It says you keep getting promoted until you reach your level of incompetence. And so you get promoted to the point where you can no longer do the job. But, but the advantage to that, and there is an advantage to that model, is that uh, my boss can probably do my job better than I can, mm-hmm. at least as well as I can. He or she has mastered that level of technical proficiency. And so there there are some advantages to it. Yeah, you would hope. And, and, that, <laughs> and I think we've all experienced that leader who maybe couldn't do our job. The pointy-haired boss in Dilbert, right. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, know, you mentioned the Peter Principle, and I really would take issue with some of that ideology because I think that certainly we are – elevated to new roles because of our proficiency in previous roles. 
but we become better if we choose to stay coachable. Right. And I think that as leaders, part of hopefully this podcast and part of your continuing growth as a team leader is your willingness to stay coachable and to continue to accrue new skills and new information so you can develop yourself and then be able to develop others. I'm, I'm more cynical than you are, Sean, but that's okay. That's just how I am. And uh, <laughs> how he's wired. And, yeah, but as I, as I think through that... Um, you know, I bet everybody listening to this can, if you if they've been in the workforce for any period of time, five years or so, you can close your eyes, you can picture one person who's been promoted, they've done great, they've been promoted, they've done great, and then at some Until. point they, they give up or they're in over their head or they don't care anymore. Uh, it's hard to know what happens, but mm-hmm. they run out of gas at some <laughs> level. And, and the scary thing is sometimes that level is at a point where they can really do some danger, you mm-hmm. know, so you never know. So yeah, and, and back to what Bill had mentioned, you know, the quote, People are hired for technical skill and fired for interpersonal skills. I think that absolutely plays into what you're talking about, Andy, in that um, as leaders or as teammates in any role in the organization, it's not just what I'm good at in terms of technically, but what I'm good at in terms of relationships that develop our team's success. It is an old saying that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It is Mm -hmm. absolutely true. And somebody told me that early in my career, and I truly did not understand why he was telling me this. And now I completely get it. I mm-hmm. get it cold. I know exactly why and what. Yeah. So, yeah. so let me connect that to what you were talking about, Andy, because as a leader or as a teammate, what is it that creates engagement? What is it that causes people to shut down and to shrug their shoulders and just go about the business of checking boxes and kind of going through the motions instead of really being engaged? That's why people do team building, right? It's because I right. want my team to be more engaged, to have better morale, to have better communication. And I think that what's going to influence that interpersonal skill is connecting people to two things. As a team leader, my job is to connect myself first and my team second to two specific things, and that's going to be the thing that raises energy, that creates unity. And those two things are, what is it we're here to do? What is that compelling common goal? What is our why? Have you clarified that? Do people really know when they get out of their bed in the morning, why are they going to be going into work? What is it they're doing? And the second thing is, Have you connected them to each other? That's where those relationships come in. And have you given them a chance to build those connections among the teammates so I know enough to care enough more? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, um, there's some fascinating research that uh, a psychologist named Mahaley Csikszentmihalyi did. You're going to have to spell that for me. No, I cannot do that, but I can spell his book. His book was called Flow. And uh, you can, (laughs) so F-L-O-W, it's easy. Uh, But he did a lot of research into this, what creates engagement. And of course, the team is a terrific part of it because there are times um, when I will put my shoulder to the wheel just for the people around me and for the sake of uh, of us uh, achieving a common goal together. But he looked deeper into the what, and I'm grossly oversimplifying Mm -hmm. this, but uh, it's a big, thick book. And he says, essentially, um, the what comes down to uh, your skill level and the challenge of the task. And of course, there's enjoyment of the task as well. But but if you're working at something that is too easy, then it's not going to engage you. Mm. If you're working at something that is really difficult, but you're no good at it, then it's going to create anxiety and frustration. And so he says, really, those two dimensions have to be in place in order to create, in order for the potential 
uh, of engagement to surface, mm. that you have to be good at it and it has to be adequately challenging. Mm-hmm. And so that gets into an interesting space, too. He kind of takes that a little further uh, in terms of that. But I agree with you, too, that uh, sometimes I'll do something boring uh, or something unchallenging or something non-rewarding just for the people around me. Mm. Yeah, Maybe they're into it. Because you care about the people or you care about the why. And having been a teacher for two decades, there are a lot of correlations between teammates, coworkers in a business, and the students I had in my classroom. Because you would have unbelievably talented, charismatic, likable, capable kids who would shut down sometimes. Not because the work was too difficult, but here's the thing. They didn't know why they were there. Right. They would show up in the classroom because they're supposed to be in the classroom, and they didn't have an idea of five or ten years from now, what am I doing today and where right. am I going? Mm-hmm. And, and the quote that I would share with them the first week of classes is the same quote that I would encourage leaders to think about. If you don't know why you're here, you're not going to do much while you're here. <laughs> so can you as a leader clarify, because every school I've worked at, much like every business you've probably worked in, has on the wall, here's our mission statement. Right. And it looks great on the frame and the wall, right. but can you take it off the wall and put it on somebody's heart so it really does mean something specific and individual to them and they feel like they're a part of something larger than themselves? And this mm-hmm. is the beauty of vision, too, that a leader can cast a vision because sometimes people will tell me potential. Uh, it's certainly in my life. They've told me potential they see in me as it relates to something that I didn't see. And suddenly I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could have an impact here. Maybe mm-hmm. I could make a difference. And suddenly it stretches you. But it's nothing that would have ever entered into your own mind necessarily. Yeah. Sean, there's a question that I have for you that I think, as you and I were talking through the role of a coach, a basketball coach, and how that relates to the project manager, resource management comes into my mind. Hmm. And I think specifically of those teenage boys and girls that you were working with who felt like, I am all of that. I've got more talent. <laughs> you are so blessed to have me on your team. Now put me exactly in the position that I want to be in. I'm a shooting guard. I should be your starting number two guard. You know. So what do you mean I should learn how to rebound better? So pass, you, pass. Yeah. <laughs> they should pass to me. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, regardless of team, there is always – that person, whether it's an athlete or a salesperson or a project teammate, Mm -hmm. uh, who sees themselves differently than you see them. Uh, And I think that one of the most important things we can do as team leaders is to help people see themselves a little bit more objectively. And and the phrase, again, I mentioned to you, I love the phrase and I wish I could remember where I stole it from, (laughs) but it's basically, it's tough to see your label from inside the jar. (laughs) And as a coach, I need other people to help tell me what they see so I know where my gap is and where I need to improve. As a coach, as a team leader, I need to do the same in having conversations with my people. And whether that's going over video with an athlete or that's going over performance numbers and KPI stuff for my team members in terms of project stuff, mm-hmm. you know, have you given a uh, an honest appraisal of where they're at and what they do well And then have you given them that vision, right, Andy? So here's where your gap is. This is what I can help you to do to develop you so that you continue to be a better person, give yourself more opportunities, but you're also serving the team now with what you do well. Right. 
very yeah, good. Yeah, in the internet age where there's so much anonymous feedback and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get book reviews from people whose name are Toy Tiger 3, you know, like, <laughs> what does that mean? But then they leave a scathing review or something. <laughs> so it's more fun to stay in the jar with people like that, but with people that are really engaged in your life, uh, with people on your team and being a project manager, sometimes you're dropped, uh, you literally almost parachute into a team uh, that you may or may have never met before. And now you've got these people, you're expected to create something out of nothing or create a sense of team. And yeah, we'll go out to uh, a night of bowling for team building. And that's kind of the end of it. And it's hard to, it's a really big challenge. I'm Mm. so glad you touched on that. And there's two things that you mentioned that I'd love to make sure we spend a little bit of time on. The first is uh, the idea of how do I have accountability conversations right. if I've not built a relationship? Right. Because team building, if you were to give a synonym for team building, team building is nothing more than relationships. Right. And it's building relationships to a compelling common goal and building relationships with the people around you that are trying to accomplish mm-hmm. that. So as a leader, I've got to build enough of a relationship with my people so that they, when I sit down together to have that one-on-one conversation, to talk about their development and their role, mm-hmm. so they don't automatically build that defensive wall, which is the tendency that most people have if they don't know that you care. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that you care. I'm going to be far less willing to accept some of that criticism or some of that input because my defenses are going to be up and relationships are the things that lower my defensive walls because I know that you have my best interest at heart instead of Mm -hmm. just being that nameless, faceless, critical voice that I want to protect myself from. Right. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is you mentioned, and I'm going to be horrible in terms of of clarifying exactly what it was you said, but the idea of team building and that Mm -hmm. building of relationships, I think there's a huge difference between going bowling and doing paintball or whatever those recreational activities might be and what intentional team building provides. And that's honestly what differentiates me, I think, from a number of other team building facilitators or speakers is there is a grand canyon-sized chasm of difference between that recreational event, which is let's go have a little bit of fun together and not really have a whole lot of an impact or value attached to afterwards, And then scheduling something where it's a leadership development day where, yeah, we want to laugh together and have a great time. But more importantly, what are those takeaways? What are the outcomes that we can be intentional about providing for our people so that they're better next week, next month, next year because of the time we invested? Mm. And I love that word intentional. It's intentionality is such a huge part of that. So give us some practical examples. I, I was just, man, I mean, we were getting ready to go play paintball, and now I'm rethinking that. <laughs> what, you know, what are some examples of intentional team building? Well, I'll tell you, you know, when I speak with a prospective client, Bill, the, the thing that I'll mention to them is what is the impact you want the event to have? Right. Mm-hmm. Because value is, again, impact divided by investment, right? That's my value. And so if you want to have an impact, then you want to make sure that that investment is going towards something that's going to have a lasting change, not just on behaviors, but on the awareness that drives behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make sure that hopefully as a leader, you're giving people a chance to have those recreational activities at times. Mm -hmm. More importantly, sometimes you need to have a very intentional timeout where in the midst of difficulty as a team, when you know that people need something, but maybe you don't know exactly what that is, but the chemistry is just not right and people aren't necessarily interacting the way that they need to be for your team to be successful, 
the conversations I've had with clients normally deal with the same stuff that my athletic teams dealt with, mm. accountability and trust and communication and role acceptance and those things that are going to help your team be more successful. So intentionality comes into how can I, as a facilitator, customize a program of activities and experiential uh parts of that day hmm. so that your people have a chance not just to work together in groups of two or groups of four and laugh a little bit, but more importantly, how do those experiences become memorable moments that carry an insight that they're going to put in their back pocket and leave with so it's not just them being a better teammate within the walls of your company, but they become a better teammate in their family and with their church because my awareness of how I impact the people around me affects every area of my life. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Your awareness. That's an interesting statement. Your awareness of how you impact people around you affects everybody in your life. Um, you know, I think a lot of organizations end up making the same mistakes over and over, having the same things come up over and over. And that right there is a good chance. A, a activity like this is a good chance to step back and examine the patterns and look at some of the root causes, maybe from a different angle. I I forgot who said this, but somebody once said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And, <laughs> you know, there are patterns and predictable mm-hmm. yeah. things that come up. That is a tremendous point. That's one of the things that hopefully an intentional event provides is it shares an increased awareness in your people and in yourself as a leader of what are my patterns? What are my tendencies? What are my assumptions? And how can I, through an improved awareness, change my behaviors because nothing changes until behaviors do. Mm, that's good. We had, Yesterday, we did a team building event here at, at uh, Velocity, and one of our core values, we have five, and one is community service. So we had a community service event. There's a, a YMCA program that uh, has a summer lunch program for those kids who are in school wow, receiving yeah. free lunch, but then in the summer they don't, so they're, they're hungry. And uh, so we, as a team, went and put on obnoxious orange T-shirts that they provided (laughs) (laughs) and uh, made sandwiches and and sack lunches and delivered those and then played with the kids. And uh, it was hot and sweaty, but we had a great time. It was, I think, anytime a team can sweat together, they bond. Yeah, and and (laughs) time together is certainly valuable, right? Yeah. Uh, Just a chance to spend time. And, And one of the things that is most interesting to me is when I first got into team building, it was because I knew that my athletes needed something that I wasn't giving them. I just yeah. didn't know what it was. And team building is this vague, nebulous, foggy cloud of something that oftentimes goes undefined. And I think that it that is this huge umbrella of activities and events and experiences that go from recreational on one end to obviously intentional on the other end. And there is absolutely value in people spending time together away from the office and giving themselves a chance to build those bonds and to invest in something larger than themselves. But I don't know how much lasting impact that's going to have in terms of have we built more trust? Have we mm, made right. you know ourselves a more accountable team? Have we focused upon having better communication because we're aware of our personality styles? And those are things that maybe an intentional day might provide that recreational stuff doesn't, although I think there's a place for both. Bill, it was funny for me yesterday to watch. Um, as we started out, uh, we were having to assemble lunches, and you start with peanut butter and jelly and uh, uh, chips and uh, 
you know, a, a sort of a energy bar or a chewy bar or whatever and mm-hmm. a little dessert snack. And we're having to assemble all this together. And it was really funny to watch everybody sort of self-assemble because we can get a little bit fanatical about efficiency. And, <laughs> Just a and, little. And, and what they was, were competitive. It was, it was really funny to watch this crowd of people huddled around these long tables and working, and then people would spot a bottleneck. And I was just grinning, watching everybody uh, kind of solve these problems. Yeah. And I'm thinking about all the nerdy uh, theory of constraints and allow you gold wrap <laughs> and some of this stuff and uh, watching this. So it was just kind of fun to observe it in action. It's, yeah. I think uh, a lot of who we are as a company comes out in that. Hmm. Yeah, it's so much about, you know, you've hit on some keys here. With team building, it's about building relationships. It's about trust. Uh, I remember one of the sections in Simon Sinek's book, Leaders Eat Last, mm-hmm. is all about that circle of safety. Huh. And uh, there again, I feel like the strong leader is going to recognize when the team needs to spend time together building that sense of trust. And I've got your back. You know, we're in this together. There's a there's a significant why to our purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a purpose and we're in this together on it. Yeah, and, and you mentioned something just in the midst of the building the lunches, right, is one of the things I learned coaching both guys and gals is – there is a difference. And it's not emotions versus egos because there are young lady athletes that have egos and there are certainly guys that have emotions. The difference I found was that there was a, a, a separateness in terms of how they chose to compete and connect. I mm. think that guys have to compete in order to connect. Huh. So an intentional team today is going to have some competitive aspect because the men in your organization, they want to compete in order to connect. Mm. I think ladies need to connect before they compete. Mm. And so they have to have those relationships and bonds in order to be able to be more competitive. So that was a really interesting thing. And the last thing that I would share specific to that experience yesterday that you saw that leaders see is sometimes we focus so much on efficiency in terms of strategy. And that is our default tendency, especially as guys. We're going to compete. And that efficiency is important. And what I found as a team leader and what led me to team building is that efficiency is not effective when it comes to building relationships. Mm. Huh. So you, did, you can't just put it in the microwave and say, okay, boom, we've got trust now. Yeah. <laughs> and team building relationships and, and, and establishing here's our clear goal and these are relationships and setting expectations and building accountability and saying thank yous and providing toasts so your people feel rewarded and acknowledged for their efforts. Mm. That's a process. It's not just an event. Yeah. This projects take a lot of time. There, it takes a lot of hard work. Um, again, I think of you know so much of the things that you've learned as a, a basketball coach. Um, one of the I played a lot of basketball growing up, and I remember the words that I hated the most from my coach were "everybody on the end." Uh, the basketball court. Get on about, the baseline. Yeah, get on the baseline. <laughs> so I mean, you're going to uh, be running the. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. That was our indication that our our coach knew that it was time for some conditioning, and we hated that. It was always at the end of practice. We were already exhausted, and uh, but you know the conditioning needed to happen. Everybody on the end meant get on the baseline, and you're going to run these sprints that we called suicides, mm-hmm. and you had to hit it in a certain amount of time or you had to do it again. And, of course, you guys know. I mean, Fun the more times. tired you are, you're not going to make that. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, ah. But we knew it was necessary. There are times with our projects where the team knows there's hard work, and then the leader has to know, okay, the, you know, fortunately our project managers don't have whistles and clipboards, hopefully. But uh, how Ooh. do they know? You know, how do you 
how do you push your team to the right level without pushing them too far? So what are what are some things that you look for in that? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, as we as we finish up, I think that's a, a key question in terms of recognizing there are going to be times when my people aren't able to give 100% effort. Right. Mm. Um, but if you'll realize the importance of, A, have I taken the time and been intentional about connecting my people to a compelling common goal? Have we clarified why we're all here and why that's important? What is the emotional mission we're a part of? And then number two, have I connected them to each other? Because if you have those two connections, that's going to provide the purpose and the energy that's going to drive their effort. Mm-hmm. And when you see that effort begin to wane, either it's they're exhausted and they need a break of some kind. They need to be reminded that they're appreciated. They need to have that sense of reward. And you need to celebrate along the way and not wait for the end of the year banquet. Mm-hmm. Or they've lost a connection to one of those two things. And sometimes as a coach, you need to remind them why we're here is we've gotten, you know, sometimes being in shape is a fundamental on the court, right? Yeah. Sometimes there are fundamentals you need to take care of as a team leader that your people need to be good at in terms of sales training or in terms of right. you need to be good at this particular aspect of your role to make sure you contribute. And that's not always fun. What's fun is being a part of something larger than yourself and being successful with those accomplishments. Yeah. Now, as a basketball coach, you could see signs when somebody needed a timeout, right? Somebody needed to break you, the hands on the knees is kind of the classic <laughs> right. or the stupid foul, the technical foul, maybe mm-hmm. they lose their cool or whatever. What are some similarities that you see in corporate world with some of our teams when they start to, you know, like the, the wheels start to fall off? Yes, that Snickers game. moment, right? Exactly. When, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. When, when somebody just needs the Snickers to start Angry, being themselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, and, I, and I think that if you know your people, it goes back to relationships, right? If you know your people, if you're taking the time to build those relationships, you're going to recognize some of those cues that lets you know, hey, you know, John or Susie needs to be reminded that mm-hmm. I see what they're doing and that they're appreciating, they're doing a great job. Sometimes it's just something that's a quick clarification of, hey, we appreciate what you're doing here because appreciation is absolutely a driver of effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it may be, like Andy was mentioned earlier, they may not be engaged because the type of work you're asking them to do has become somewhat monotonous. How can you give them a challenge that might inspire them to go a little bit harder or give a little bit more focus? And sometimes it is they really need the time out. Let's give them a chance to laugh together yeah. and to remember that uh, they're part of a team and they're surrounded and not fighting the battle alone. Mm. Hey, Nick, don't forget about this mug. All right, so, Sean, we provide this mug as a gift to you to show our appreciation for you being our guest on Manage This. Highly coveted. Uh, <laughs> collector's edition. Collector's it is edition. suitable for framing or drinking coffee. <laughs> That's right. That is terrific. Thank you so much, guys. Absolutely. And, Sean, for listeners who want to go deeper into team building, who maybe recognize a need for this, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Smoke signals. <laughs> White puffs of smoke, right? <laughs> no, I would uh, I would love for them to visit my website. Obviously, hopefully, this has provided a little bit of uh, thoughtful insights and ideas for them to begin to consider. If they want to take the next step forward, learn a little bit more about what I do, they can visit me online at greatresultsteambuilding.net. Sean, we appreciate so much you sharing your time and your experience. Thank you for being here with us. We want to remind our listeners that here on Manage This, we are all about giving you what you can really use. And we know that we can all use PDUs, Professional Development Units, toward recertifications. To claim your free PDUs for listening to this podcast, go to Velociteach.com and select Manage This Podcast from the top of the page. Click the button that says Claim PDUs and just click through the steps. 
That's it for us here at Manage This. We hope you'll tune back in for our next podcast. In the meantime, you can visit us at velociteach.com slash manage this to subscribe to this podcast, to see a transcript of the show, or to contact us and tweet us at manage underscore this if you have any questions about our podcasts or about project management certifications. We're here for you. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, keep calm and manage this.